Hello, this is Father John Arthur Orr, Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, and I'm happy to be here again to speak to you about Pope Benedict XVI's third encyclical letter, Caritas in Veritati. In the last program, we got up to Article 13, having gone over a glossary of terms which repeat significantly throughout. We were doing a focused study on the phrase social doctrine of the church throughout the Pope's encyclical. And Pope Benedict reminds us that Paul VI's teaching, especially Populorum Progresso on the progress of people, was important because it reminds us how the gospel is important to build a society according to freedom and justice in an ideal and historical perspective of a civilization animated by love. Pope Benedict XVI, however, also mentions two other documents of Paul VI, Humani Vitae, on the transmission of human life, and Evangelii Nuziandi, to announce the gospel. These documents, while not specifically focused on social doctrine, delineate a fully human meaning of development that the church proposes. Human development regarding sexual morality, human development regarding growth in the spirit and the spiritual life. We are not materialist. It's not just our bodies. It's our souls. It's not just the economy. It's our culture. These things, too, are important. And Pope Paul VI reminded us back in his day, 1968-1975, those two documents. And now Pope Benedict XVI, he adds his voice to the two millennia of the teaching of the Church and the centuries of the social doctrine of the Church. This reference to Humani Vitae and Evangelii Nunciandi begins in Article 15 of Pope Benedict's encyclical, Caritas in Veritate, available at the papal website vatican.va. Pope Benedict XVI continues his repeated presentation of the Church's social doctrine in Article 15, relating it with the missionary or the evangelical letter of Pope Paul VI, Evangelii Nunciandi. Here's a longer quote. Between evangelization and human advancement, development and liberation, there are in fact profound links. On the basis of this insight, Paul VI clearly presented the relationship between the proclamation of Christ and the advancement of the individual in society. Testament to Christ's charity through works of justice, peace, and development is part and parcel of evangelization because Jesus Christ, who loves us, is concerned with the whole person. These important teachings form the basis of missionary aspect of the church's social doctrine, which is an essential element of evangelization. The church's social doctrine proclaims and bears witness to faith. It is an instrument and an indispensable setting for formation in faith. This is a very rich passage 
which we should unpack some. When Pope Benedict speaks of the proclamation of Christ, this is the announcing of the gospel. This is evangelization. Not only should individuals be evangelized, but societies too. This is the bearing testimony, not just by preaching, although that is a part of it. We're on the radio, aren't we? But also through works of justice. That's a virtue, to give each his due. And God has his due, and God won't be mocked. Peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus tells us in the Gospel. We hear it in the Sermon on the Mount. We know who is the Prince of Peace. Peace is tranquility of order, order based on justice. This is all part and parcel. That means without it, we don't have the whole package. We're looking at the whole person, each individual, Christ himself, true God and true man, whole and entire. If we don't announce the Gospel, woe to us. We must proclaim Christ crucified and glorified. And part of Christ crucified and glorified was his rendering unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. And we know that Caesar is made in the image of God no less than the citizens of the realm of the republic. Pope Benedict writes further that the church's social doctrine proclaims and bears witness to faith. Faith about who is God and who are we made to his image and likeness. After all, it was God who worked for the six days of creation, even if we will not fixate on a 24-hour period, since a thousand years are but an instant in his sight. But who loves? God is love. And if we are made in his image, he who created the heavens and the earth and all that is therein, He who loved us enough to send his Son to save, to redeem us, the Church's social doctrine mirrors the God who founded the Church, God who is a communion of persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. So we have a communion of persons in the Church and please God in society. In Article 25 of Pope Benedict XVI's third encyclical letter, Caritas in Veritate, He gets a little more specific. He speaks to us about social doctrine in the following ways. Through the combination of social and economic change, trade union organizations, and the church favors unions, experience greater difficulty in carrying out their task of representing the interest of workers partly because governments, for reasons of economic utility, we're not utilitarians, often limit the freedom or the negotiating capacity of labor unions. So long as those labor unions are interested after the workers and not just power preservation. Hence, traditional networks of solidarity have more and more obstacles to overcome. The repeated calls issued within the Church's social doctrine, beginning with Rerum Novarum, that's Pope Leo's letter, for the promotion of workers' associations that can defend their rights, must therefore be honored today, 2009, even more than in the past, as the prompt and far-sighted response to the urgent need for new forms of cooperation at the international level as well as at the local level. In Article 30 of Pope Benedict XVI's letter, Charity in Truth, 
He continues his presentation on the social doctrine of the church. There's a longer quote here. In the context of integral, that is complete, human development, this takes on an even broader range of meanings. The correlation between its multiple elements requires a commitment to foster the interaction of the different levels of human knowledge in order to promote the authentic development of peoples. Remember, the Pope had given a great lecture some years ago at the University of Regensburg where he had taught before he was even made a bishop. Often, it is through that development of or the social economic measures that go with it merely require to be implemented through joint action working together. This joint action, however, needs to be given direction because all social action involves a doctrine. So if you look at certain political structures of communism, are they materialist? Are they atheists? If we have a free market economy, does that mean that we're uh, able to have private property, if it's an exchange of goods and services, my goods, my services, your goods, your goods, your services. These all imply an anthropology, an understanding of the human person. That's a doctrine, even if not straight from the scripture. At the end of Article 30, in the beginning of Article 31, Pope Benedict XVI, in his third encyclical, Caritas in Veritate, writes, there's always need to push further ahead. This is what is required by charity in truth. Going beyond, however, never means prescinding, departing, from the conclusions of reason, the natural intelligence, understanding, nor contradicting its results. Intelligence and love are not in separate compartments. Love is rich in intelligence, and intelligence is full of love. This means that moral evaluation and scientific research must go hand in hand and that charity must animate, give life to them in a harmonious interdisciplinary whole marked by unity and distinction. The church's social doctrine, which has an important interdisciplinary dimension, can exercise in this perspective a function of extraordinary effectiveness Again, we see the Holy Father reminding us of the interrelatedness of truth, natural truths, supernatural truths, truths of biology, truths of sociology, truths of sociology, truths of economics, all of these related. And we know that the Lord Jesus has said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And if we are to live life in Christ, we need to live in truth and in charity, since God is love. In Article 31, the Pope continues that this relationship allows faith, theology, metaphysics, and science to come together in a collaborative effort in the service of humanity. It is here, above all, that the Church's social doctrine displays its dimension of wisdom. The reference to metaphysics is a science of philosophy, the science of being, being as being. Physics, you know, the physical world, but metaphysics, it's the basis of being. We can quantify the elements, how much do they weigh, 
What do they smell like? What do they taste like? At what point do they combust? But what does it mean to exist, to be? Some have been happy to discard metaphysics as beyond the realm. But just because a science is not an empirical science is not to say that it is not a body of knowledge. Different sciences have different programs, different ways they approach reality. And if it is true, it is true. And then we say, thanks be to God, for we know that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I hear echoes in this Article 31 of Pope Benedict XVI's letter, Caritas in Veritate, of Pope John Paul II's letter, Fides et Ratio, which is actually cited in the end notes. Pope John Paul II called for a sapiential look on the world, metaphysics included. This call has not always been entirely heeded by some in the academy. In Article 35 of Pope Benedict's letter, Caritas in Veritate, Charity in Truth, he again speaks of the social doctrine of the Church. Quote, in a climate of mutual trust, the market is the economic institution that permits encounter between persons, inasmuch as they are economic subjects who make use of contracts to regulate their relations as they exchange goods and services of equivalent value between them in order to satisfy their needs and desires. The market is subject to the principles of so-called commutative justice, which regulates the relations of giving and receiving between parties to a transaction. But the social doctrine of the church has unceasingly highlighted the importance of distributive justice and social justice for the market economy, not only because it belongs within a broader social and political context, but also because of the wider network of relations within which it operates. End quote. The market, we need beware of reification, making it its own thing or a stand-apart thing apart from the people who trade, who sell their goods and services. But here the Pope uses several different key terms, communitative justice and distributive justice and social justice. Good for us to remember that any justice, divine justice included, is to give each their due. These different flavors of justice, communitative, social, distributive, all are different focuses of giving each their due. In Article 36 of Pope Benedict's letter, Caritas in Veritate, he points out, quote, The Church's social doctrine holds that authentically human social relationships of friendship, solidarity, and reciprocity can also be conducted within economic activity, and not only outside it or after it, end quote. Social relationships. Remember, the Holy Trinity is an eternal relation of Father, Son, and Spirit, and human beings are made in the image and likeness of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. So our social relations are related to our faith, 
because of God. And so, as the Father would never do ill or harm to the Son or the Spirit, remember the Son freely laid down his life to save us. It was not an abuse of his free will. It was not contrary to the Father's will. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit for friendship for us, to save us, to make us friends with him and with each other even with ourselves. Here we have the great term solidarity, solidarność, remember the Polish labor union. St. Paul writes about it, when one is honored, all are honored. When one is in a bad way, the other's in a bad way. Reciprocity, give and take. You help me, I help you. Giving to each other, not only in economic activity and not only outside it. It is part and parcel of our human life in common. In Article 37, Pope Benedict XVI continues, The Church's social doctrine has always maintained that justice, to give each their due, must be applied to every phase of economic activity, because this is always concerned with man and his needs. What does it mean, every phase of economic activity? in production, in distribution, in ownership, in sales. So if the guy who digs up the gold isn't paid an honest wage, if the man who transports the gold does not get an honest wage, if the man who sells the gold does not get an honest wage, there's injustice in the system. And the same would go true if the gold diggers were ladies, or the gold transporters were ladies, or the gold buyers or sellers were ladies. What is true of the human race? Justice, to give each their due, applies to all. And we look to receive not only justice, but mercy from Almighty God. In Article 39 of Pope Benedict XVI's encyclical letter Caritas and Veritate, he makes the following assertion, quote, What the Church's social doctrine has always sustained on the basis of its vision of man and society is corroborated today by the dynamics of globalization, end quote. The Holy Father seems to believe that the Church's teaching is justified by the other sciences, not just faculties of theology, but sociology and economics, history. Very profound claim, one that should be further examined. In Article 40 of Pope Benedict XVI's third encyclical letter, Charity in Truth, Caritas in Veritate, he writes, quote, There is also an increasing awareness of the need for greater social responsibility on the part of business even if the ethical consideration that currently informed debate on the social responsibility of the corporate world are not all acceptable from the perspective of the church's social doctrine there is nevertheless a growing conviction that business management cannot concern itself only with the interest of the proprietors but must also assume responsibility for all the other stakeholders who contribute to the life of the business. 
the workers, the clients, the suppliers of various elements of production, the community of reference. End quote. Here we see the social doctrine of the church in a wider presentation. We see the different players, the workers, nine to five, the clients, the go shopping, the suppliers, who's delivering various elements of production, those who make the raw materials, who get the raw materials from the land, from the earth. Business involves all these things, and all of these things involve ethical activity, moral activity. Is it good what I'm doing? Is it good what I'm selling? These things have meaning. They have import. They affect the way we relate with each other, with ourselves, with God. The social doctrine of the Church makes yet another appearance in Pope Benedict's third encyclical, Caritas in Veritate, in Article 45, where he writes, Much, in fact, depends on the underlying system of morality. On this subject, the Church's social doctrine can make a specific contribution, since it is based on man's creation in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, a datum which gives rise to the inviolable dignity of the human person and the transcendent value of natural moral norms, end quote. This, too, is a very rich passage, inviolable dignity, a dignity which cannot be taken away. It's important for us to remember that one of the 16 documents of the Second Vatican Council, recently celebrated, 1962 to 1965, recent in the bimillennial history of the Church, was entitled Dignitas Humanae, on human dignity. This transcendent value of which Pope Benedict writes means that our worth comes from above, from God in whose image we're made. The reference to the natural moral norms is a reference to the natural law made obvious or revealed on Sinai with Moses and God speaking face to face. In Article 56 of Pope Benedict XVI's third encyclical, Caritas in Veritate, the Holy Father continues his presentation of the social doctrine of the Church, saying, quote, The Christian religion, and other religions, can offer their contribution to development only if God has a place in the public realm, specifically in regard to its cultural, social, economic, and particularly its political dimensions. The Church's social doctrine came into being in order to claim citizenship status for the Christian religion." End quote. When Pope Benedict mentions development here, it reminds us that the title of Caritas in Veritate are the first three words in this document, this encyclical letter, but the full title reminds us about integral human development, complete or whole development, not just physiological, material, but also spiritual. And so he spells it out. He speaks about cultural, social, and economic development. If God is exiled, 
then culture will be stunted, society will be stunted, and even economic activity will be affected. It's good for us also to note here that the root of the word cultural is cult, which is the term used for the worship of God, the true worship of God, which is distinct from the cult of the Baals or the false gods, the cult of Aphrodite or of Zeus. The church is anxious that God be given his due. That's justice. Religion, an act of justice toward God. That citizenship status was needed for the Christian religion followed because there had been a time when it had been recognized in society. It had been persecuted in the beginning. It was recognized by Constantine. It was displaced later in history. And so Leo XIII in his time, and now Pope Benedict in our time, asserting the right of the church to speak, the freedom of speech. Is it only for those we like or for those we agree with? Here the Holy Father is pointing out that he has been given a voice, as each of us have, to stand up for what is good and true and beautiful, to say the truth in love, the truth about ourselves, the truth about God, the truth about our life in common, our life together, as adopted children of our Heavenly Father. A key teaching in Pope Benedict XVI's encyclical Caritas and Veritate on integral human development is about human life. Over 74 times the Holy Father mentions life. There are several passages at least four which speak about human life in a very beautiful way. So for our last moments today, I'd like to look at them. In Article 15, the Holy Father points out, quote, The Church forcefully maintains the link between life ethics and social ethics, fully aware that a society lacks solid foundation when, on the one hand, it asserts values, such as the dignity of the person, justice, and peace, but then, on the other hand, radically acts to the contrary by allowing or tolerating a variety of ways in which human life is devalued and violated, especially where it is weak or marginalized, end quote. The reference here, no doubt, is to abortion, to embryonic stem cell research, and cloning of human beings. These are all crimes against human life, which the Holy Father doesn't mention in this passage, but will later. In Article 27, the Holy Father continues in the pro-life vein that the right to food, like the right to water, has an important place within the pursuit of other rights, beginning with the fundamental right to life. Here, one might ask, what good is the best food, or the best water, or the best health care, or the best education, if you're not alive, if you're not around, to enjoy any of it? Pope Benedict XVI's strongest pro-life press seems to be in Article 28 of his encyclical letter, which he actually hand-delivered to the President of the United States during their recent visit in the Vatican. Perhaps this will help correct 
the health care bill before the Congress. In Article 28, Pope Benedict says, One of the most striking aspects of development in the present day is the important question of respect for life, which cannot in any way be detached from questions concerning the development of peoples. Because little babies are developing in their mother's wombs, right? It is an aspect which has acquired increasing prominence in recent times. 1973, Roe versus Wade. He doesn't mention it, but that's recent in the 2,000-year history of the Church. In light of Paul, Pope Paul VI, Populorum Progresso, obliging us to broaden our concept of poverty. Aren't we poor? Isn't that what Mother Teresa said? What a poverty that a child must die, that we can live as we like. And under development, to include questions connected with the acceptance of life especially in cases where it is impeded in a variety of ways. Impede life through oral contraceptives, through surgical or chemical abortions or sterilization. Holy Father continues, Not only does the situation of poverty still provoke high rates of infant mortality in many regions, and that's so sad and terrible, but some parts of the world still experience practices of demographic control on the part of governments that often promote contraception and even go so far as to impose abortion. We know about China. Please God, our country is not next. In economically developed countries, you could read the USA there, Legislation contrary to life, the word abortion isn't used, or infanticide, but you'll recognize it. Legislation contrary to life is very widespread, and it has already shaped moral attitudes and praxis. The way we think about, the way we act, morally or immorally, contributing to the spread of an anti-birth mentality. Frequent attempts are made to export this mentality to other states, as if it were a form of cultural progress. Next time, I'll continue my presentation on Pope Benedict XVI's encyclical letter Caritas in Veritate. God bless you.